a lot of confusion and lack of precision as to how these things really are. And, and you say, well, how do you know that, Pastor Mark? Well, just listen to people talk. You know, where they say that they're hoping and praying. Well, the Bible doesn't say hope and pray. It says to pray and believe. Amen. And so, you know, that's a whole area of, of uh, misunderstanding and confusion and things that people believe uh, about how faith and hope and love work together. Um, that is cheating a lot of people out of the things that they could otherwise be enjoying and experiencing. Now, what we started on really a couple of weeks ago, but drilled down into it pretty deeply last Wednesday night, is another one of these crucial areas that the Holy Spirit is showing me is, is, is why people are struggling to receive and experience things that Father clearly desires for us to have. And it, and it has to do, I'm asking you to, 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 to hear me and hear me out, spirit of this, more so even than the letter of this. You, you can nitpick what I'm saying and come with a conclusion that I'm not here to offer, okay? But there's this tendency to try and compensate for wavering faith for a lack of full persuasion. Remember what King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me. Almost persuaded is still not fully persuaded. And one of the things that we looked at in the interest of establishing precision with what genuine faith actually is. And by the way, the Bible talks about unfeigned faith, genuine faith versus um, feigned or faith that's not genuine. And no, there's no judgment here, um, but we, we, we're wanting to learn and grow. And I've said something similar to this in the past. We've come to a place in the body of Christ to where we we have to act even pretend like everyone is a faith ninja and we've all reached the highest levels of faith and and mountains move when we speak and and, and this sort of thing when it's really not the case we're we're growing in faith we're developing in faith we're increasing in faith faith in a lot of ways is like a spiritual muscle that has to be exercised and it has to be strengthened and and then when we talk about faith in God's word as we kind of ended last uh, Wednesday together, your ability to trust what someone says, which faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, your ability to trust what someone says to you to the point that you act upon it um, with, with complete confidence has everything to do with your trust in that person and, and your, your confidence in that person and, and you knowing that person. And you, you, you can't trust what a stranger says to you no matter how much you want to. Maybe they're telling you something you want to hear. But if you don't know that person, if you don't know that they can make good on what they say, they don't, if you don't know that person has the ability or the resources or the, or the understanding to produce whatever it is that they promised you, there will be a seed of doubt in that. But that seed of doubt is eliminated 
the more you know that person, the, the more you experience life with that person, the, the, the more you have confidence in who they are. Remember, we've talked about God's thoughts, desires, and actions, and we've talked about His character, nature, and ability. And, and so the more you understand a person's character and their nature and their ability, ability including their resources. Uh, I've had well-meaning people make me some pretty big promises, and I believe that they meant well, but they didn't have the ability, they didn't have the resources to, to make good on their word. But So do you see how we, we, we expect folks to you know, have to pretend like everybody's a faith ninja when, when we're just simply not, we're growing. But to grow in faith is not just to grow in the knowledge of what God has said and promised, but it's to grow in fellowship and to, and to nurture uh, the faith that He's given to us through fellowship with Him and, and having confidence in Him, His nature, His character, His ability, what He has said, what He desires, what He has done. And, and it's all of these things that, that provide the, the basis, the foundation for us to then act upon the Word of God with a level of assurance, with a level of persuasion, with a level of confidence that would, that would be, you know, meet the standard of what genuine faith actually is. Amen. So, when we are still wavering, and Abraham is our example to follow and to learn from, and we see that he went from having a promise by God made to him to him ultimately receiving the reality of that promise. Uh, and, and he held uh, Isaac in his, in his arms. It went from a supernaturally conceived and birthed child in promise form to that child being held by Abraham and Sarah. And we see that there was a process from where the initial promise word of God, faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God, they laughed at it because remember at this point in their fellowship and relating to and getting to know God, his words carried little to no weight with them because they didn't know him. And one of the first things the angel said when they laughed was, why did you laugh? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for Jehovah? And at that point, they, again, that goes to nature, character, ability, thoughts, understanding, uh, and, and actions, right? They, they didn't know a lot about that. And so when he made them this promise, they're like, yeah, right. But we see that as they grew and developed in faith by giving glory to God, at some point Abraham came to the place of recognizing, hey, I can't keep considering how things look, seem, and feel and continue to be strong in faith. So he decided to stop considering how things looked, seemed, and felt. Are you following what I'm saying? He's like, he's, when, when the scriptures say that his example is the one for us to follow and learn from, 
then it's, it's real easy to, to just look at the high points. But I think there's even, if anything, more value in looking at the, the sticking points where Abraham was like, man, this, is, this isn't working. Something's not right here. And, and even how he struggled with it, but found victory and found breakthrough and, and, and overcame. And so we see in Abraham this next, what I think is a major issue, a major problem when it comes to God's people struggling to receive from him. And it has to do with our trying to compensate for weak or wavering faith to try to somehow make up for that by, by the efforts of the flesh. And as we said last week, you know, Abraham made this same mistake when he tried to, by the flesh, produce the child of promise, not with Sarah, as God had instructed, but with Sarah's uh, servant, uh, Hagar. Now, Abraham's not the first Bible hero who made a mistake like this. Well, I guess, I mean, when I say he wasn't the first, not the only. Um, Abraham obviously came before Moses. But we see later that Moses made a similar mistake when Father explains to Moses his plans for bringing and delivering his people from e- Egyptian bondage and, 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 you know, obviously the supernatural, you know, deliverance that had already been brought to Moses and, and Moses' heart for his uh, brothers who were enslaved. But how did Moses try to make it happen? He, he killed an Egyptian and buried him in a shallow grave. Now, it, it was God's desire to bring his people out. And, I mean, Moses' very name was, you know, <laughs> clear in that he was going to be used in that. But notice now he's trying to accomplish with physical warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's trying to, he's trying to make it happen through um, his own physical effort. What can only be done through supernatural means and supernatural effort. And so we said last week that as important as our Christian disciplines are, and this is, I'm going to say it again, because I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting you to misunderstand. I'm not telling you don't pray. Please pray. Fast. Give. Serve. Obey. All of these things are so very important for us. But they can never be a substitute for genuine faith. And because of our life in the flesh, we've been trained, remember this one-dimensional approach to receiving, where we say, you know, uh, I believe it when I receive it, visual confirmation. It's because, you know, we've been indoctrinated, we've been trained uh, to, to, to think that way and to operate that way. And, and, and then the same is true when it comes to this 
this flesh approach, this flesh only, flesh first, one-dimensional approach. Uh, we, we've talked about this, how we've learned to receive from, from the world and the visual confirmation. But then we also see that when things aren't happening fast enough or when they're, you know, our natural tendencies, our natural tendencies are to just try harder. You just need to work harder. You need to do more. And so for a lot of God's people, the Christian disciplines have become the Ishmael. They've become the thing that we've tried to substitute our doing, our doing for actually believing. I know that's a strong word, but I'm asking you to consider it. I'm not, listen, this, I'm not trying to promote me. I'm trying to promote the answers that God is providing for us. I, I went back, I, to, to be honest with you, because I didn't, I went a little long last Wednesday and I really didn't get everything out that I was wanting to try to get said. And, and I, I kind of had to watch myself, but I left out of here with my head kind of hanging down a little bit. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're going to go back and listen to a sermon again, or those of you watching online, or those of you here who, who weren't here last Wednesday night, I'm not trying to hide this. I'm telling you, it's one of the most important sermons I have ever preached in this pulpit. Amen. I'm just, there's answers there. There are answers there for us. Now, Romans 4 and 1 it begins with this question. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? <laughs> right? In other words, he learned something. He found something. He discovered something. What did he find? He found what Jesus said towards the end of John chapter 6, that the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit is what gives life. Now, I'll just keep reading. It might be easier for me just to read it. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Pride, hidden pride, subtle pride, pride that we don't recognize as pride, these are things that we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to. Um, Because, you know, we... God is about flow and life flowing from Him through a spiritual union that a born-again believer has with Him. It flowing from Him into you and then into you through your soul, into your body and outward into the world around you. And we've said it before, we'll say it again, your soul is like a valve, the part of you that thinks and feels and makes choices is like a valve that will either shut that flow down or open that flow up. Amen. And when we bring our thoughts and our um, uh, emotions and our choices into alignment with what God has said, faith is, is what opens that valve. And we know that with a heart man believes and the heart of a person includes both the soul of that person and the spirit of that person. Or we could say the inward man and the innermost being. The cardia is the heart, and that's, that's the totality of the immaterial person. 
which would be both the spirit and the soul. See, your spirit believes everything God has ever said without question. Your born-again spirit, man, is like, yes, every word of it. Let's go walk on water and, and raise three dead people that were buried at sea while we go. Amen. You, you, your spirit is like, yes. It's, it's this part of your heart that the Bible calls your soul. The part of you that thinks and feels and ultimately makes choices this, this is the part of us where doubt tries to, to root itself uh, in and lodge itself there and hinder the flow of God's healing, God's power, God's wisdom, um, His healing power flowing through you. Because remember, we're supposed to be laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering. Amen. That, that's what Jesus said we should be seeing, we should be doing, we should be experiencing. Am I right about this? Okay, let me make sure I got the right bunch this evening. So he says, what did Abraham, our father, find according to the flesh? See, in Abraham's journey from promise to fulfilled promise, we see that he got some things right and he got some things wrong. And when it says follow in the footsteps, the idea, of course, is for us to do what he did and learn from the mistake that he made and not make that same mistake ourselves. And I think it's interesting that a huge portion of the fourth chapter in the book of Romans, which is a pivotal chapter in this pivotal book uh, of the Bible, is devoted, or at least as it begins, is devoted to what Abraham found according to the flesh. In other words, when he tried to receive through fleshly effort what could only be received and accomplished by faith. So let's keep going here. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Look at what I did. Look at how good I am. Look at how awesome I am. But no, he, he wasn't justified by works. It wasn't based upon what he did, his efforts but not before God. He, he can brag, but he won't be bragging before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Verse um, 4 directly connects with verse 16 where he comes to the eventual conclusion that if it is of faith, therefore, rather, therefore it is of faith, that it might be according to grace. And so what he's explaining is that Abraham became who he became and received what he received, not because he earned it or deserved it, or work so hard that he finally made it happen. Because if that's the case, then it was something Abraham did and not God. Had the privilege today of, um, I mentioned this I think Sunday morning, of, of participating in ordination service for our own John Smith. Now he's full-time counselor at the farm and he's, he's here every now and then. Obviously he's very involved in Coleman and at the Foundry Farm. And um, I was asked to say a few words, and when it was many years ago when John showed up at the foundry, um, and I, I believe he was the angriest and most hate-filled man I have ever 
met in my life. Um, it, it was, it, it was, he was in such a state that people who have committed their lives to loving and ministering to folks who were in that situation had a really hard time being around him. Those of you who know our beloved uh, Hiawatha Sheffield, he did not give himself this name, but others who knew him well nicknamed him the Apostle of Love, and he was John's counselor. He's the only person of all the hundreds of men that Hiawatha counseled over the years at the foundry. He was the only one that Hiawatha ever came to me, and he said, Pastor Mark, I don't think I can do this. I think uh, it's, it's um, you know, Nothing glorifies God more than a changed life. And, and to see, you know, where John is today, it's, it's, a, it's a living testimony of the power of God to change a man. And, and one of the things that I said, I said you know, I said, we, it, it's such an amazing thing. There's a tendency for, you know, the foundry or for different people who've loved John and, and to take credit for it. You know, it's like, like, look at what the foundry did. I mean, thank God he used the foundry, but God did it. Only God can do that. So there's no, there's no boasting in ourselves. It's boasting in, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Look what God has done. See, Abraham, we, we, we need to look at his whole life because some of the lessons that eventually worked their way into him becoming fully persuaded and receiving the miracle child from God were lessons he learned unrelated to what God eventually did in the producing of this miracle in his and Sarah's life. And remember when God supernaturally delivered the League of Kings into, into his hands with soldiers that were raised in his own household, and they tried to give him the spoils, and he wouldn't take it other than the food that his men needed to, to eat and, and fill their, their bellies. He said, because no man will ever say, I made Abraham rich. So no, notice what Abraham is learning there, that, that what, what God was doing in his life was going to be so profound that no human being could take credit for it. But he learned that first in the financial part of his life, but then eventually brought that over into this thing that, that almost became such a frustrating point for him where you know God said, you and Sarah are going to have this child and for whatever reason, it wasn't happening. He was struggling with receiving this, receiving in other areas, but not this area. And so he took it upon himself. What did he find according to the flesh? He took it upon himself. We're we going to do something about this. We're going to make this happen. And so he went and had a child with Hagar and then begged God to let Ishmael stand as a substitute for Isaac. God says, now what I said, Abraham, not, it's, it's not going to happen. Now, is God being stubborn? Is, is God being hard? Is, is, is God refusing to honor Abraham? No, it's none of that. It's just, it's just Father had a plan, and, and he's going to see that plan through to fulfillment, and there are reasons for that that, that you, you know, we could stay here all night making a case for, but the bottom line of it is it, it was God's plan, and that's how it, 
That's how it played out. Now, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if it's something that we've done to deserve it, if there's something that we've done to earn it, if there's something that we've done to put God in debt to us, it's not grace. It's not grace. It can't be um, works and grace. Now, we'll get to that later, but that is a huge part that we have to understand here. Now, let me, let me finish this, okay, and we'll pick it back up next week. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies. That doesn't mean being lazy. It doesn't mean refusing to cooperate. It doesn't mean uh, works because of your faith. But he's saying he who does not try to work in place of faith is what he's saying here. There was, there was not trying to be graphic, but obviously there was action that Abraham and Sarah had to take in order for her to conceive. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That means he doesn't keep a record of it, right? This, we hear that in the New Testament, but this began with Abraham and then David in the Old Testament. Now watch this, verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while he was circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Amen. All right, stand with me tonight. Let me, let me put a bow on this. What is he saying He's saying something that we've already said in different ways for the last three Wednesdays, okay? I have believed and therefore I have spoken. I have believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth and received salvation. The speaking cannot come before the believing, nor can it be used as a substitute for the believing. you got to believe and then speak. And substituting the speaking to try to compensate for uh, a wavering or weak faith will never work. So what is the point here? He's saying this. He's trying to make this point. What has he learned about the flesh? First of all, if, if it's something you've earned or deserved by your own work, then it's not grace. Ishmael was not grace. Ishmael was something that... that, that that Abraham was able to produce in the flesh apart from God. Are you seeing this? He did that. And so he's got something to brag about. Look at what I mean. Look at this old man out of bed. How did he got that young girl pregnant? Look at me. No, see, that's not what. Uh-uh. No, no. So, but then, see, he goes over to his righteousness. 
And he's asking the question. He says, he says, was Abraham righteous because he was circumcised or was he circumcised because he was righteous? Are you seeing the difference here? Abraham wasn't righteous because he was circumcised. He was righteous because he believed God and then was later circumcised as an outward sign of the righteousness that he received because of something he believed, not because of something he did. He's seeing how this is laying this foundation and how he's learning all of this, which is eventually going to translate over into him taking these same principles, steps of faith that, that the Holy Spirit led him through that ultimately translated in, into him and Sarah receiving this child, this miracle, this promise. All right, Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. Father, I, I, I rebuke offense, Lord. I thank you that people are not going to be offended at this. Um, Lord, I believe that there's a lot of folks listening to me right now here and online and, and later, Lord, that will that'll come across these, these messages, Father, that, that have this same kind of desire and, 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 and passion to see people receiving the fullness of what you have provided for them. And, and Lord, to, to remove the obstacles, to remove the wrong thinking, to remove the, 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 the different uh, ideas and, and mindsets and attitudes that prevent us from experiencing the full measure and the full flow, Lord, of, of what it is that you desire for every one of your children to experience and pass along to others. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, know that you're loved. Thank you so much for, for being here uh, this evening. Uh, good things coming for you. and I-